Moscow has stepped up a pre-winter campaign to strike civilian infrastructure in Ukraine using missiles and drones as NATO members promise to send Kyiv more air defense systems. My guest this week on Conflict Zone from the Berlin Foreign Policy Forum is NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. How far can NATO members increase support for Ukraine go to help Kyiv repel Putin's invasion? The systems uh, NATO allies uh, and partners have uh, delivered uh, have already made a huge difference. So this is one of the reasons why Russia has not been able to gain air superiority control over the airspace over Ukraine. As Putin issues veiled nuclear threats, how strong is NATO's deterrence today? And how well is it positioned to confront security threats of the future? including those posed by China. Secretary General Stoltenberg, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. In the past week, Ukrainian cities far from the front lines, including the capital, Kyiv, have been waking up to deadly Russian airstrikes, which appear to be targeting infrastructure in civilian areas. What do you think Putin aims to achieve with these strikes? I think the aim is to uh, reduce the, the determination of the Ukrainian people uh, to stand up against the brutal uh, Russian uh, invasion of their uh, country. But I think he will fail, as he has failed in all the other attempts uh, in trying to take control of Ukraine since the invasion in, uh, in February. And, uh, and this demonstrates the brutality of the war. It uh, demonstrates how uh, we see civilian casualties and how also critical civilian infrastructure is uh, attacked. And it just also uh, highlights the importance of NATO and NATO allies and partners uh, that we continue to provide support uh, to. And, and to that end, last week NATO members committed to send more air defense systems and other aid to Ukraine. Do you think the new systems will be enough to stop the onslaught of Russian attacks with long-range weapons, including drones? I think that the systems we are now providing are making a huge difference. Uh, um, uh, they have already made a difference uh, in, uh, in shooting down a lot of uh, uh, the Russian missiles, uh, uh, drones, uh, uh, but also uh, we will make even more difference in, uh, in the future uh, because allies are now stepping up. Uh, we have Germany who has just uh, delivered a new, very advanced, modern air defense systems. Right. And during the uh, NATO defense ministerial uh, last week, we had several allies, the United States and also others, announcing uh, more uh, systems, uh, but also more ammunition and supplies to existing yeah. systems. And this is making a difference. Uh, the Ukrainians are able to shoot down many of the incoming missiles and drones. You say that they'll make a difference in the future. Um, what does the future mean to you? Because President Zelensky says 30% of Ukraine's power stations have been destroyed in these attacks. The concern is winter is quickly approaching. People could struggle to heat their homes. How quickly can the systems get there, especially given, and you've admitted this, there are production shortages in the West? Well, the systems uh, NATO allies uh, and partners have uh, delivered uh, have already made a huge difference. So this is one of the reasons why Russia has not been able to gain air superiority control over the airspace over Ukraine. And that has been a big disadvantage for uh, the Russian troops throughout the, the operation. They, they expected that they were uh, going to uh, uh, take control of the airspace. They have not been able to take control of the airspace over Ukraine. This is, of course, uh, first and foremost 
because of the skills, the determination of the Ukrainian armed forces using uh, the uh, air defense systems they already had, uh, old Soviet uh, types of air defense. What NATO allies have done is that we have provided ammunition to those uh, uh, old systems, and then we are also bringing in uh, new uh, systems. And the, the latest example is the, is the German system, demonstrating that Germany is now actually delivering um, important capabilities to, uh, to, to Ukraine, and they will make then even more difference in the, in the future. Winter is coming, and right. that was also the main message from uh, the Defence Minister. Uh, so we need to uh, ramp up uh, or support also everything from winter clothing, generators, tents, so we can help and ensure that the Ukrainians can operate throughout the winter. Let's talk a little bit more about the urgency for action, and um, I'd like to turn to the battlefield now. Ukraine, as we all know, has been recapturing territory on the front lines in the east and in the south, but there are some reports, including today, that troops in the Donbass region have slowed almost to a halt. Russian reinforcements, meantime, have rushed to the front line attempting to break Ukraine's momentum. How critical do you see this moment right now, not in the future, right now, for Ukraine's counteroffensive as the colder months settle in? So wars are by nature unpredictable. Uh, and of course, uh, there are uh, still a lot of Russian forces capabilities uh, in uh, Ukraine, uh, and, and they have uh, what we have seen over the last weeks and days is actually the, the most serious escalation of the conflict uh, since the invasion in February. Because if you put together their mobilization and the forces they are now able to send to the front uh, with uh, the partial, uh, uh, now with the illegal annexation of Ukrainian territory and the dangerous nuclear rhetoric. All of that represents the biggest escalation since the war. Um, so again, uh, we need to just uh, step up our support. And of course, this support has proven extremely important because this has enabled the Ukrainians to first push the, uh, the Russians out of the area around Kiev and then uh, halt the Russian offensive in Donbass and then launch a counteroffensive where they have been able to uh, uh, regain, retake a lot of territory in Donbass and also push uh, uh, against the Russian forces in the south in Kherson. The Ukrainians say they need more tanks in order to push forward. We're sitting here today. We're speaking from the Berlin Foreign Policy Forum. Germany, a NATO member, is facing criticism for not sending heavier military equipment to Ukraine, including Leopard 2 battle tanks. From your point of view, should Germany provide the tanks to Ukraine now? So Germany has provided and is providing a, a lot of essential equipment to Ukraine with advanced air defense systems and other advanced weapons and also ammunition and, 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 and artillery. Other allies have provided similar types of support and all allies have also provided armored vehicles and also a lot of extremely important different types of support to, to the but Mr. Secretary General, I, I would just like to underscore the urgency um, that what you have been hearing. And I'd like to mention a quote, for example, from, from Latvia's defense minister, and I'm going to read it out to you now. He says, if Germany would give to Ukraine proportionately what we have given to Ukraine, this war would be over. Does Germany and other larger EU states need to do more now? 
we all need to do more now, and that was uh, the message uh, from the uh, defence ministers when they met last week, and we also saw significant new announcements about uh, more supplies. Then we had to realise that so far what we have done is to mostly uh, provide uh, supplies or support to Ukraine by depleting our existing stocks. Uh, at some stage we cannot continue to do so, so now we need also to ramp up production. Uh, and that was also the other message from the NATO defence ministers was that we now engage directly with the industry um, to be able to replenish our existing stocks of ammunition, of cap capabilities, so we can uh, both uphold our own deterrence and defence, but also continue to uh, provide uh, support to Ukraine. I want to talk a little bit more about the ramp up of production um, and the fact that that is a hole right now. But but first. Putin says that he will use, and I'm quoting here, all weapon systems available to defend territory. This is being seen as a thinly veiled nuclear threat. This week, NATO is conducting routine nuclear drills. Russia's annual exercises are usually taking place late in October. How high is your concern right now that the Russian drills could be used to put nuclear weapons on high alert? We are very closely monitoring what they are doing, uh, and we are vigilant, and of course, especially when they now are going to conduct a, a nuclear exercise. Um, um, having said that, the, the risk of any nuclear uh, uh, attack against Ukraine or use of nuclear weapons against Ukraine is low, but of course the potential impact, the consequence is so big. So this is a, a risk we have to take seriously. And we do so by conveying clearly to Russia that there will be severe consequences for Russia if they use a nuclear weapon in, in Ukraine. And also uh, 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 reminding Russia of that a nuclear war uh, uh, cannot be won and uh, must never be fought. And, uh, and, and, and we, of course, stay vigilant and monitor closely what they do. So far, we haven't seen any changes in their nuclear posture, the nuclear readiness, but this is something we'll constantly but, uh, monitor, uh, and especially when they now conduct a nuclear exercise. But given the attack on the Kerr Strait Bridge in occupied Crimea in early October, and Ukraine's recent retaking of territory in the country's south and east, do you think, personally, that a humiliated Putin is more likely to lash out at this time? I will be careful speculating about uh, the different uh, risks and the different scenarios. We need to be prepared for uh, all eventualities, and that's exactly what we are. Uh, and, uh, uh, and at the same time, we uh, cannot uh, be intimidated or, or uh, uh, suffer or, or accept uh, blackmailing from Russia, because I think that this uh, nuclear rhetoric and the threats we have seen from Russia, the aim is, of course, uh, to... Um, uh, coerce us, uh, to blackmail us, to stop providing support to Ukraine. Uh, uh, but if we do that, then, uh, then President Putin will win in Ukraine. And if he wins in Ukraine, that will send a very dangerous message uh, to all authoritarian leaders uh, that uh, when they use military force in a brutal way, violate international law, they will achieve their goals. Mm. That will make us more vulnerable. It will make the world more dangerous. Uh, and therefore, yes, there are risks with all options uh, uh, in this uh, conflict, but I think the risk of letting President Putin win uh, is much higher than to continue to support uh, Ukraine as we do.
UNATO members, um, uh, you have emphasized, and I'm quoting here, Russia must understand that nuclear war can never be won and must never be fought. Do you have any assurances that that message is being heard by Putin? Yes, uh, partly because it has been communicated so many times um, uh, from NATO allies, uh, from uh, uh, also the United States and other uh, uh, NATO allies that possesses nuclear uh, weapons and, and, and from the whole alliance. And actually, this is also something that Russia has subscribed to. Uh, so, 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 so this is a well-known message. You've warned of severe consequences such as? We will never go into the exact way we will respond, uh, partly because that will depend so much on the kind of attack, uh, the circumstances, the context, uh, but also because we will never give a potential adversary the, 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 the privilege of knowing exactly how we will respond. They know it will be severe consequences, and we have repeated that message several times over the last weeks. But do all 30 NATO allies agree on what the response would be? All NATO allies uh, agree on the seriousness of any use of nuclear weapons, uh, and this has been clearly uh, conveyed uh, from me uh, and from uh, uh, also many other NATO allies. Um, uh, uh, second, I think we need to distinguish between the use of uh, weapons of mass destruction or nuclear weapon in Ukraine uh, and any attack on a NATO ally. An attack on a NATO ally will, of course, trigger Article 5, our collective defense clause, and to uh, ensure that there is no room for miscalculation, for misunderstanding in Moscow about that, we have increased our military presence in the eastern part of the alliance, increased the readiness of our uh, forces uh, uh, to make sure that an attack on the NATO ally will, uh, uh, of course, trigger the response from the whole alliance. And we do that not to provoke a conflict, but to prevent the conflict, to preserve peace. And that's fundamentally the same as NATO has done for more than 70 years. Uh, faced a nuclear threat uh, or a challenge from okay. the Soviet Union. Here's the and, response and from Russia. Moscow. Um, Putin's ally, Dmitry Medvedev, says that he thinks Na the NATO military alliance would not risk a nuclear war and directly enter the Ukraine war, even if Moscow struck Ukraine with nuclear weapons. Is he right? He is not right, because what we have stated clearly that is that there will be severe consequences, but we are not uh, lined out or, or, or uh, gone into details of what kind of consequences there will be. And of course, we have many ways to respond, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and that's exactly what we have communicated. While you warn, though, Moscow of severe consequences, French President Emmanuel Macron says that French, a French nuclear response to Russia using its own atomic arsenal against Ukraine or the region is off the table. That statement wasn't very helpful for your deterrence, was it? But we have different ways of uh, uh, reacting. It doesn't have to be uh, any use of uh, nuclear weapons. What we have stated again and again is that uh, in the circumstances in which NATO uh, would uh, uh, consider the use of a nuclear uh, weapon uh, remains uh, very remote. But that doesn't uh, take away the possibility of NATO to respond, uh, NATO allies to respond, if there is a, a use of nuclear weapon by Russia against Ukraine. And again, uh, uh, if there is any attack against a NATO ally, we have the whole alliance and Article 5 and our collective defense clause, and the purpose of that is to pre prevent that from happening. Russia says that Western states' support of Ukraine, you 
you, you've mentioned what uh, NATO members are, are sending to Ukraine. Um, help make them a direct party to the conflict. With NATO members supplying the majority of support, isn't it going to be difficult for members to not be seen as a direct party? How are you towing that no, line? No, uh, because uh, we are not part to the conflict, me meaning mm -hmm. that that we don't have forces on the ground, uh, uh, we don't participate in the in the in the in the fighting. But what we do is that we provide support to Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine has the right for self-defense. This is a right which is enshrined in the UN uh, treaty. Every nation has the right to defend themselves against a, a war of aggression, a brutal attack, as we have seen against Ukraine. And NATO allies are helping Ukraine to uphold that right for self-defense, but that doesn't make us party to the conflict. I'd like to ask you about NATO enlargement, and in particular, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky announced a bid for fast-track membership of NATO. He, he pointed to the examples of Finland and Sweden. Will you agree to fast-track NATO's bid in the next 12 months? It's not new that Ukraine has the ambition of uh, joining uh, uh, NATO. Uh, NATO's position remains unchanged. Uh, NATO's door is open. We have demonstrated that over the last years with North Macedonia and Montenegro, but also with Finland and, um, and, uh, and Sweden. And, of course, we also strongly convey the message that every nation has the right to choose its own path, including, of course, Ukraine. At the end of the day, it, it will be for the 30 NATO allies and Ukraine to decide on membership. Russia doesn't have any say in, uh, in that. Uh, our main focus now is, right. uh, is on uh, ensuring that Ukraine wins the war, uh, and, and therefore all our focus is on providing support to Ukraine. But the question is, do you personally support NATO, uh, Ukraine's application for fast-track membership? I personally stand by the decisions we have made, uh, which is uh, on, uh, on uh, saying that NATO's story remains open and that Ukraine one day will be a member of, uh, of, of the alliance. But the, but the short term, uh, the, the, the priority now is, uh, uh, is on uh, providing support to Ukraine uh, to enable them to make uh, more gains on the battlefield and then uh, to, uh, to ensure that we can end the war in a way that ensures that uh, Ukraine remains a sovereign independent nation in Europe. That's a precondition for any discussion about uh, you, membership. You have, though, and I'd just like to quote you here, you have supported Finland and Sweden's bid. Um, you came out and you said this would be an historic moment. Why do you dodge clearly answering whether or not you support Ukraine in a fast-track bid? Because I strongly believe that Ukraine is in a different position than Finland and Sweden are. Uh, Finland and Sweden are long-term uh, partners of, uh, of, uh, of NATO. Uh, uh, we have consensus uh, in the alliance on inviting them to become uh, members. We made that decision uh, at the summit in Madrid in, uh, in May. Uh, what we see in Ukraine is a war going on, and, and the top priority is therefore uh, uh, to provide uh, military support to Ukraine, as uh, we do as NATO allies and partners, and this military support is unprecedented, it, and, and it really helped the Ukrainians to now make uh, gains on the battlefield. Uh, of course, the, the victories on the battlefield is something that belongs to the brave Ukrainian soldiers, uh, but without the support from NATO allies, they would have not been able to make these gains and, uh, and, uh, and to pr push the Russian invading forces back, as we've seen over the last weeks. But if we look back, in 2008, NATO pledged that Ukraine would eventually become an alliance member. Ukraine, of course, has this on paper. Did NATO give false hopes to Ukraine all those years ago? 
No, so this is uh, still the ambition of the uh, the alliance, uh, but the focus uh, has been since 2008 on reforms, on uh, capacity building, on uh, on supporting uh, uh, Ukraine in moving towards uh, uh, NATO uh, membership. Uh, as I also know that EU uh, members have been working with Ukraine moving towards uh, uh, EU membership. Um, but of course, uh, since 2014, we have been in a situation where uh, Russia has uh, annexed uh, Crimea and, uh, and controlled eastern part of, uh, of Donbass. So the main focus has then been to provide military support to Ukraine. And, and NATO allies, like especially the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, have trained uh, and equipped the Ukrainian forces not since February, but since 2014. And that has ensured that Ukrainian armed forces are much bigger, much better trained, much better led, much better equipped now than in 2014. And this is making a huge difference uh, uh, on the battlefield uh, as we speak. Let's turn briefly to your strategic concept and, and to future threats. At the Chinese Communist Party Congress, President Xi Jinping said that China would use, and I'm quoting here, all necessary measures to secure Taiwan. Is the next conflict for NATO with China? Well, Taiwan is not a NATO uh, a member, so our collective defense clause uh, doesn't apply for uh, Taiwan. But what we see is... But Mr. Uh, Secretary uh, General, how China. would NATO respond if, if China were to invade Taiwan? How would NATO respond? I'm not going to outline exactly how NATO will respond. Uh, what we have uh, stated clearly, uh, and that's for the first time in our uh, strategic concept, is that uh, the rise of China matters for our security, uh, and it is a challenge for our values, for our interests, and for our security. And that is because uh, China is now investing heavily in new modern military capabilities, also long-range uh, missiles, uh, uh, nuclear weapons. We see how they don't share our values in the way they crack down on democratic voices, uh, forces in Hong Kong, uh, the minorities, the views, and also how they uh, uh, coerce uh, countries in the region. Uh, so all of this uh, uh, makes it important for us to uh, address the rights of China, not by isolating China. China uh, uh, is important also to engage with, and therefore we uh, are both addressing the, the, the security challenges, but also the need to engage with China, as right. we do. And I met recently with the Chinese foreign minister, and that was my main message to him. The head of the British Cyber Intelligence Agency, he put it this way. He described the security threat posed by Russia as affecting the weather, while China's affects the climate. What do you think there is to be learned from allies' support of Ukraine against the Russian invasion, should China move to invade or, or to illegally annex territory? That's always unacceptable, uh, that, uh, that one uh, country tried to uh, grab uh, land from another country. And that's the reason why we have reacted so strongly um, against the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, because this is the biggest land grab uh, since the Second World War, uh, World War in, uh, in, uh, in Europe, and also why we uh, convey to, uh, to, to China that, of course, they should be able to uh, at least condemn uh, the illegal uh, uh, war of Russia against Ukraine. And also one of the reasons why we support Ukraine is, is to send a message uh, to all other authoritarian leaders that uh, we don't accept this kind of uh, behavior. I'd like to also ask you, you said last week that um, when we look at the situation in Ukraine, that allies have had to dip into their own arsenals in order to send supplies there. Were NATO members too complacent 
Because if you look just at the first half of the year, only nine members were spending 2% of GDP or more on defense. Now, it seems to be a bit of a scramble in order to you know, get stockpiles and increase production capacities, and it's coming amid hard economic times. Can it stay a priority? I have, we have pushed for more uh, defense investments across the alliance for many years, uh, and of course we would like to see even more defense spending. Having said that, what we have seen since 2014 is the biggest reinforcement of NATO's collective defense since the end of the Cold War. Uh, until 2014, NATO allies were cutting defense spending. Since 2014, all NATO allies have increased defense spending uh, with hundreds of millions of uh, extra U.S. Uh, dollars. Uh, and uh, we have increased the readiness of forces. For the first time in history, we have battle groups in the eastern part of the alliance, and all of this was triggered uh, by uh, the Russian uh, annexation of Crimea and, and the control over eastern uh, Donbass. Mm. So we were actually prepared when the invasion happened in February. We actually warned against it since uh, uh, last fall, shared intelligence uh, depicting exactly the Russian plans uh, to invade uh, Ukraine. Uh, and on the uh, day of the invasion, we activated our defense plans and further increased our military presence uh, in the east. Briefly before we go, Secretary General, must Putin go for there to be a resolution in Ukraine? Yes or no? Again, I will not, uh, but uh, you will not force me to, to give a yes or no answer to that. What we will do is that we will uh, uh, respond to the actions of Russia, regardless of who is in charge there, and we will continue to call on them to end this war. It was President Putin that started the, this war, and it's President Putin that end this war tomorrow by drawing his forces. We have to remember that if President Putin and Russia stops fighting, there will be peace. If President Zelensky and Ukraine stops fighting, Ukraine will cease to exist as an independent nation, and we don't want that to happen. That's exactly why we provide support to Ukraine. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg, thank you very much for joining us on Conflict Zone. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me.